You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very sad and somber episode of the glorious and illustrious hot take hot box my name is matt mcsweeney coming to you fresh off of a world series defeat for the philadelphia phillies at the hands of the houston astros on saturday evening the phils came up short jordan alvarez hit a 450 foot dick bomb to put the phillies to an early rest And the season is over. The Houston Astros are the World Series champions. And now the Phillies and their magical run through red October into red November has come to an end. We now look forward to the offseason, the adjustments that can be made, the changes that are on the horizon for the Philadelphia Phillies. And then we look forward to some other, you know, we, we get to focus our energy on some different teams uh, like the 76ers who have, and even the Eagles who are 8-0. So it's not all negative here in the city of Philadelphia. But of course, when you make it to the championship game and come up short or the championship series and come up short, it is a tough pill to swallow. And of course, that is what we are dealing with uh, for this whole week, it seems like. I mean, this is Tuesday afternoon. I'm recording this podcast and I'm still kind of just starting to feel uh, a little bit okay, you know, like I've just been uh, kind of in the dumps, and I know that sounds ridiculous probably to other people who, people who are maybe normal and don't let the, the sports teams affect their mood and daily emotions. Uh, unfortunately, you know, especially when they get to the end and uh, when they're right there on the cusp of a championship and they're only two wins away from creating another enormous party citywide for everyone to just have a absolute euphoric time down Broad Street cheering on our Philadelphia Phillies who rags to riches created one of the greatest runs that this city will ever remember, right? Like that's what it would have gone down as. And even now still, even though they came up short, it will sit alongside that 93 season for the Phillies as one of the greatest runs uh, a team has come from out of nowhere to make this historic sort of playoff run, get to the brink of the championship, and just come up a little bit short. They joined the 2010 Flyers. They joined countless other teams who have come up short. But the, you know, nonetheless, as the days go on and the weeks go on, we will... Remember this season, this run, everything surrounding it very fondly. It has created some of the best memories you'll ever have watching sports. You'll never forget Bryce Harper's home run. You'll never forget Reese Hoskins' bat spike. You'll never forget some of the just incredible moments that this team was able to create for not only the city but for themselves. And now they have gotten that taste of playoff baseball and what it is like here in the city of Philadelphia. And hopefully they become eager and hungry to return to these glorious days here in October, the, the these memories that we'll never forget. I hope they want to continually make more. And we will see who comes back 
with the rest of the squad next year, right? So because there's gonna be there's gonna be some different faces here. There's already been sep- you know different announcements, but before we get into the off season, I guess we have to discuss what happened in Game Six and put the season to bed before we can move on. Talk off season stuff a little bit. You know, of course, I'll be having different guys on throughout the off season to just kind of discuss the news and what you know what names you could see these uh, Phillies bringing in. What they can afford, you know, there's going to be some money coming off the books. The D.D. Gregorius money, Corey Knable, uh, he's just familia. You know, there's, there's going to be different guys. Brad Hand, who are not going to be under contract. Zach Eflin uh, turned a, a, a option down, so he will be a free agent. Gene Segura will be a free agent. So there's names are already out there that that we know these guys might not be back. Now it's not a lock; they won't be back, but declining your option or the team declining your option is never really a good sign. And, you know, nine times out of ten, these guys don't wind up coming back uh, unless they really – the market dries up for them and they're forced to come back for a cheaper price than they had been expected. And with Segura, who knows what they have planned on maybe moving Stott to second bid. We will talk about all of that. I, I'm kind of jumping forward. I, I, that's That's what I'm more excited to talk about as opposed to what happened in game six. But we have to talk about it. So here it is. Uh, listen, for the first five innings, it was 0-0. There wasn't really much going on. Framber Valdez goes six strong, only gives up two hits the whole game. And one of them in the top of the sixth inning is a Schwarber bomb to right field to give the Phillies a one nothing lead. The only few big moments that the Phils had, I mean, they got a walk. Schwarber starts the game off with a walk, and then Hoskins immediately on the first pitch grounds out into a double play. Second inning, Sosa hits that absolute moonshot to the track in left field, uh, and that thing never really had a chance of getting out, but he hit it so high into the sky, you were like, oh, my God, here we go, here we go. But no, and then after that, it was one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And then the sixth inning, they hit a home run. And then after that, it's, you know, two, three, four. So that was, that was it. And, and then after that, you really you, you didn't get much going on. I mean, you you didn't have another hit after that. After Alec Bohm gets a hit in the, what, the second inning? Second inning and then, and then Schwarber's home run in the sixth. You don't have another hit after that. Up until one out in the ninth, JT gets on base with a single out to center field, and then but like the offense was essentially lifeless for the whole this whole game again. And you could you could argue that it's the starting pitching. You could argue that you know the, this team went cold. It doesn't really matter what it was. I mean, I think it's a, probably a combination of, of the two. But I mean, Framber Valdez had their number all series, right? Both games. He was pretty much on. He Whether he struggled through spots or not, he always got himself out of these tight situations. Got a lot of strikeouts. He got a lot of people looking on different pitches. And he was effective all series long. Christian Javier, obviously. Very effective in game four. Six no-hit innings. Verlander, not as much. I mean, you were able to get to him in game one. And then in game five, you had him in trouble in multiple situations and had all sorts of guys on base all night long and you just couldn't take advantage of it. I I told you guys in the last pod that is what the series came down to. It was was game game 5 cuz they needed to win that game 5. They had every opportunity in the world to win game 5. You had Syndergaard on the mound who 
didn't pitch well, but they overall the team as as a whole gave up three runs. That's it. And honestly, at the end of the day, what it comes down to, and I'll, I'll get down. I guess I'll get to all that. Uh, what, where where this this season went wrong and all that. So the Phils are up one nothing. It's the bottom of the sixth. Maldonado gets hit with that pitch where he leaned in on it, and he did lean in. And I don't know if it should have been reversed or whatnot. That that's not really an argument I really care to have. Uh, then Altuve. Grounds in grounds almost into a double play, but he beats it out, and so now it's guy on first, one out. Pena gets a little sneaky single up the middle. Uh, Stott was play it was shaded a little bit left. He went right up the middle. Stott was not able to make the play, and then Thompson goes out and gets Zach Wheeler after five and a third innings, seventy pitches. Now I know. I know he did this all, pretty much all season, but especially in the postseason. He was more willing to go get those starting pitchers earlier rather than later in some instances, okay? Because I guess you can't say it was completely uniform because he left Nola out there to kind of blow up that game uh, game two, I should say, in San Diego. Uh, and listen, all all that put aside... At the end of the day, it's game six of the World Series. You have gotten these guys to this point. You have nurtured and cared for Zach Wheeler's arm all the way up until this point. You've taken him out early on during games, 80 pitches, you know, especially in game one in San Diego. I didn't agree with it then, and it worked out. But I just don't like the idea of taxing your bullpen by throwing like you have there's a reason you go and get guys like Zach Wheeler like you know DeGrom which he's a free agent but the the marquee big name guys in the league the the Justin Verlanders the Framber Valdezes I I under understand somewhat the thinking behind it okay is the third time through the order it's Jordan Alvarez coming to the plate with one out, two guys on. You want the lefty-on-lefty matchup. Alvarado has been coming into the game. He was sharp for the large portion of the second half of the year. So you just like the idea of that matchup. But you look into it a little bit more. I mean, Alvarez is hitting like 320 against lefties. I saw a stat that said that he was he had the highest OPS or something... Uh, lefty on lefty since like Barry Bonds, which that's fucking insane. I mean, Barry Bonds is one of the greatest baseball players to ever play the game, steroids or not. And, and I just don't understand the th- the thinking truly behind going and getting him without even a conversation or a thought. I mean, I don't get the point of of saving his arm until then to then just yank him at the first sign of trouble. It's like you have no trust in these starters whatsoever. He's not Nola. Nola melts down as soon as things don't go right, and you got to get him out earlier than later. Zach Wheeler has shown you that he's he's been your best pitcher by far in this postseason. He had one minor hiccup in that in that game too, where he did he didn't pitch well, and, and you could see his velocity was low. But in this game, his velocity was was still in the in the high nineties late into that game. And again, only 70 pitches. So I just don't get 
why the 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 panic and, and the scared maneuver to just go out and get him as soon as trouble trouble arose, and it came back to bite them because Alvarado comes in and serves up a, a hundred mile an hour just nuclear bomb four hundred and fifty feet over the batter's eye in center field and it's three nothing and that's it or three one I'm sorry. Then they get another run. It's four one. That's the end. That's the end of the scoring. That's the end of the game. Astros are world champions, but I'll never. Truly, I like. I don't want to go out and say these large like I'll connect. Like I, I, I'm still at the point where like I am not. I have not forgiven him, and I don't know how long it'll take for me to forgive Rob Thompson for that. That's just like it, 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 incomprehensible for me. I don't. I don't get it because it's not like again. It's not like it's something where I wasn't like that. This is just like a. I guess like a, a a case of like different philosophies. I'm just a guy who's screaming into a mic. I understand that he is Rob Thompson. He's been in baseball his whole life. He's been a manager, yada yada. And it's easy for me to sit here and second guess him, but at the end of the day, you you have these starting pitchers for a reason, and you have to let them work. I, like I if. You, there's a lot of discussion too that like oh we would have lost anyway that like you know things weren't we only scored one run whatever but I'd rather go out swinging and and lose with the guy who got me there okay the guy Zach Wheeler the guy who I trusted throughout this whole season to carry me through this postseason to pitch in all of my biggest games and we finally got him out there in Game Six and he looks electric his stuff is electric. He and he he got into a little tiny bit of trouble, and again, it wasn't like in that sixth inning, like people were hitting the ball hard off of him. That Jeremy Pena single was not that hard of a hit. It was. It wasn't like he smoked that ball in, in, into center field. It just it found a hole. And I again, I understand the thinking behind wanting to bring in a lefty on lefty matchup, but it's right there in that situation. It doesn't work because even if he gets him, he's still got to face Bregman, right? So, and Bre- Bregman's been putting the ball in play all series long and all, his whole career pretty much. So, I I just never truly, truly don't understand it or get it. And it's a big reason why we lost that game six, but it's not the reason we lost the World Series by any means. I mean, the reason we lost the World Series is because our bats stopped uh, producing. And that essentially, I mean, Bryson Stott didn't get a hit in the whole World Series. Gene Segura was pretty much a, 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 non, a no-show for most of the series other than uh, the big hit in Game 5. Uh, Castellanos, a, an absolute no-show. Uh, anybody in center field, an absolute no-show. Uh, who am I missing? I mean, Hoskins. Don't, don't even get me started on Hoskins. He was a strikeout machine. Real Muto, for the most part, was kind of a no-show. Harper. They really, really was, you know, kind of seemed like he was pressing a little bit too much, and he had a, a big, you know, big home run in Game Three. But who didn't hit in Game Three? So at the end of the day, it just, you know, and and Schwarber kind of still had a pretty good series. So he he was hitting all, all sorts of home runs. So at, at the end of the day, there's not really one person you can sit here and blame. The Phillies just came up short, and I I hear also some conversation. Uh, Related to like, oh, the Astros are just a better team. You know, they they, we, the Phillies have nothing to be ashamed of. You know, they just got beat by better pitching and what? Yeah, okay, the Astros were a better team on on paper, but you watch those games. We were right there with them. We had every opportunity to win this series. 
And we, we, in my opinion, we let the opportunity slip through our fingers. We came up short. We did not perform the way we had performed all postseason. And you could say, oh, pitching and the Astros, they're that good. I, I don't know. I, I, I just think when you leave that many base runners, they gave us all the opportunities that we had taken advantage of throughout the whole playoffs. We just didn't capitalize. That's us. That's we. We did not capitalize. The Phillies. We. I'm a part of the organization now. It, it, we, we just came up short. And that's the, the only people to blame. The only thing that the Phillies can point to is themselves. It wasn't like they just got, they played their great, you know, their best game and they got beat by a better team. That's not how I'm viewing this. I'm really not. And, and I'm sure there's people out there that disagree and will say this or that. But I, I simply just don't think it's the case. I, I think with some timely hitting, with maybe Hoskins getting a, getting a hit in that game five, and you know with the bases loaded, them getting Verlander out of there, the Phils could have really blown that game open, been up three two, and maybe you know game six goes a little differently. The momentum has shifted a little bit. And but at the end of the day, you know he probably goes to Alvarado uh, in that situation because he had done it all postseason. So I can't really be shocked by that move. But again, when I was sitting there watching that game, I just had an awful feeling when he went out and got him. And to hear after the game that it wasn't even like a conversation or like how you feeling. It was just no, you're out. Like we're going. This is what we're going with. He was confident in that decision because it had worked out for him. But it, you know, Alvarado has shown you. Uh, that he was he was not that same guy that he had been through July, you know August September and, and in early parts of this postseason he he you know especially in that game four when he came in and hit Alvarez right away with the first pitch and, and got himself into into a jam and into trouble uh, you know you, you he just was not that same guy anymore and I don't know the numbers would probably say yeah he was you know. He was still effective and still awesome, but my eye test would tell you he was not the same Alvarado that we had seen in the NLCS, in the NLDS, and you know, in those big spots, big moments early in this postseason. I didn't have that same confidence, and it, that that came back to bite them in Game Six, and, and that's part of the reason why we are sitting here today talking about the end of the season in a negative fashion. So that that was it. That was you know they came up short. They didn't really get many hits to end the game. Uh, the 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 Houston Astros bullpen was awesome all series long. It really was. The Phillies bullpen for the most part was pretty good, other than you know Alvarado coming in and getting getting giving up that home run. I mean, in Game Five they they were they gave up one run the entire game. And at the end of the day, the bats got you there. Okay, that's how this team was built. It got all this, all these offensive weapons, and the thought was you're gonna you're gonna count on these guys to win you games, and they they ultimately came up short in this World Series, and that's why they're they're at home. Okay, that losing three two in that game five, getting no hit in game four, uh, you know game two kind of just happened. I, I didn't I, you know you're not gonna win every single game. Game two seemed like a game where they were just out of it from the beginning. Wheeler wasn't effective. Valdez had his shit. And then game six was a game they should have they won, but again, they didn't put up enough runs. One run is not going to do it. Two runs in game five, not going to do it. Getting no hit, not going to do it. 
And, and and that's why that's why they're home. That's that's why this is going on. So it was a great run, and I'm sure as the weeks go on, we'll be able to reflect more on some of the incredible highlights and moments. And I had so much fun watching these games, but it's over, and that and it's over with a loss, and that is a tough pill to swallow. And uh, hey, we you know me when I had the demon before the World Series, we kind of talked about how much you have to soak this stuff in and realize you never know when you're going to be back. 2008, you know, 07 through 11, you know, especially in 08, I told you the story. My dad at the parade in 08 telling me, listen, you know, soak this in, really cherish this because you never know when you're going to be back. But I mean, before that game, he hadn't been to a parade since 83 for the, for the Sixers. And now, you know, I haven't been to a parade since, you know, the Eagles won the Super Bowl, but... In 08, I thought, what was he talking about? We're going to win this thing next year, the year after. Like you just always think that this is how it's going to be now. That your that your your team is that good. You're just going to be in the in the hunt. I mean, we were in the hunt, but we just came up short over and over and over again after that. It's not easy. It is not easy to win a World Series. It's not easy to get to a World Series. So when you come up short, even if it's a magical run, and you kind of played with house money. And you, you know, you shouldn't have been there and whatnot. It still hurts because, again, you just don't know. Those these opportunities do not come along every single day, and, and that 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 kind of is what hurts right now. It's just that that missed opportunity, the 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 magical moments and all that stuff just go playing through your head, and it's just uh, in a in a process of grieving right now. So we move on to the off season. And this could be one of the biggest off seasons in recent memory. Phils have a lot of different moving parts and pieces and new phases and old faces that could be gone, new faces that come in. Will Middleton spend uh, some more stupid money? There's a lot that is up in the air and a lot that we don't know. So let's just discuss some of the different things like I talked about before. Gene Segura's option was declined. So he will now be a free agent. I doubt they bring him back. It looks like they're going to look for an upgrade either at second base or at shortstop. There is a lot of shortstops that are available. Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts, Trey Turner being the big one. This would probably mean Stock gets moved to second base. That's what I would imagine would happen. That seems like the... Most possible viable option for them to spend that big money. I mean, Trey Turner is going to get a massive contract, and he probably deserves it because he has been a tremendous player for many years in this league. He's 29 years old. Now, I don't know what he'll look like later on in his career, but as of right now, he's been in the league since 2015, and he's a career 302 hitter. He's coming off the seat, I mean, 298, which is one of his lowest since, uh, what, 2019? I mean, you look at 2020, which I don't really count all that much, which was 335. And then he went 328 overall in 2021. And then he's hitting 298 this season. Uh, You know, 21 homers and 100 RBIs this season, which is probably, you know, it is his biggest RBI production. And, I mean, he's had a season where he's hit 28 homers. 
he steals bags. You know, I, there, there's a couple seasons where he went as high as 43, 32. I think he stole 27 bags this season. He seems like an easy fix for a leadoff hitter. He's a great fielder. Uh, it just seems like a no-brainer for the Phils if they can get a guy like Trey Turner. That's uh, There's just no discussion. If that guy wants to come here, you make the money right and you sign him. Now, I'm seeing people online saying that the Phils are the uh, Vegas Vegas uh, favorite to land Trey Turner. They are 5-2 to two odds. Uh, right ahead of the Giants and Yankees, who are five to one. Then you got Cardinals eleven to two. So it's like the odds are really close for a lot of these different teams. So nobody really knows. If not Dodgers, is, is uh, sort of the uh, caveat there that you should uh, include. This is Bet Online AG. So who knows, you know what that means or whatnot. But it's interesting to see that people really do think that the Phillies have a a, a good shot of getting Trey Turner he's you know obviously Bryce Harper loves him you think he said in June or sometime this summer that he's his favorite player in in Major League Baseball he's played with Kyle Schwarber he's you know he's got experience with some of these guys so I don't see why not and I don't I I see it as an easy thing to make come together I, I guess that's the best way I could say that it it just it, it seems like a match made in heaven Trey Turner, Philadelphia. Let's make it happen, right? So that's that would that would solve the leadoff uh, batting situation. And you know, other than that, I would say with the rest of the lineup, you're gonna have to hope. And I, I truly do believe in this in some way, shape, or form that I think you're gonna get a better season next year from Castellanos. I mean, the guy hit in the 300s last year. He hit like 30 home runs. This year he was essentially anemic, and I think a lot of it had to do with his approach at the plate. Way too aggressive, swinging at everything, swinging at balls in the dirt. It just didn't look like, I know these are small glimpses that we got to see, but it didn't look like the Castellanos that we were accustomed to playing against in Cincinnati, right? He just didn't look like that same guy. I mean, you could just basically go off the numbers and you could tell that easily. He played in essentially the same amount of games that he did last year, okay? So I guess last year would be your best option to compare to. But even in other seasons where he had 100 games, he still he hit 11 home runs. And this season, he hit 13 home runs. That's crazy low. 62 RBIs. Last year, he had 34 homers, 100 RBIs, and he hit 309. You know, he was in like the M- MVP discussion. Not, you know, he wasn't going to win it, but I mean, like he, those are like MVP caliber numbers had the Reds been better. I mean, he hit 263 this season. Now, uh, aside from the COVID year, which I don't count, I've told you that guys that a million times, you know, he's had a, a relatively high batting, he's a 276 career hitter. So you would assume next year he's going to come back somewhat to the, you know, to the median, to the mean, right? Shout out to all of our math teachers out there. He only walked 29 times. You know, last year he walked 41. That's not that big of a difference. But you know, struck out uh, strikeouts were up 100. You know, it's just you look at all that stuff like that, and I don't even really the numbers. Yeah, okay, he hit all home runs and RBIs. I'm just basically going off what I'm seeing. And this guy doesn't. He did not look like that same guy. You know, he just looked like he looked like he was panicking up there at the plate. He wasn't having these quality at bats that we were seeing. Even Stott, who okay, he didn't hit the ball. 
he didn't get hits, but in that World Series, he was at least having more high-quality at-bats than a guy in Nick Castellanos who's been in the majors for almost 10 years. So, you know, I have to assume that next year he's going to have a better year, that he's going to bounce back. Uh, that That's the, you know... Uh, uh, that's what I'm praying for. I mean, he has four years and $80 million left on that contract. We have to assume that he's going to be, you know, at least at least somewhat better next year. And maybe having, you know, hopefully Bryce and his elbow situation will allow him to play right field a little bit more. That situation will be solved so you can get Schwarber and Cassianos off their feet for a few games. Uh, you know, more than a few games a season. You could also still give Bryce, you know, a rest here and there. Uh, Hoskins, we have to figure out what we're going to do with him. He hit 30 home runs this season, but in that World Series, he was awful. Uh, you know, he had some big moments, but again, the average, you know, being around 240, I just don't, I don't know, especially with his glove being as bad at first base, I'm not against bringing him back. I, 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 the more I sit here and think about it, it's not, it's not the, you know, I've had a couple friends in my group chat uh, talk me off the ledge. With the whole Hoskins hate, I am out on I am I am out on Hoskins, but I don't know. I just I feel like there's got to be a better option out there, and if we can figure out that option or get that option here for a somewhat efficient rate, or not have to overpay for some, you know, some some guy, then we can make it happen. Maybe even move a, a Schwarber to first base. And I don't know what that would look like. I don't know how bad he would be at first base, or if he would even be an upgrade. Uh, you know, defensively, I, I'm just I'm open to thinking about different things and, and considering other options. Okay, because what we saw from Hoskins in this uh, in this World Series is just not so. I, I feel like we could get that from other guys. Well, I mean, I guess obviously we could get yeah, you know, a bunch of strikeouts and and, and double plays from other guys. I, I, I it's hard for me to think about this rationally after what just happened in the World Series. But you look, I mean, he did hit 30 home runs, 79 RBIs. He hit 246, which is right on his career numbers. And his walks were up to 72 this season. So he was seeing a lot of pitches in that second spot. He did. I mean, he obviously is a guy who when he gets hot, he's hot, man. And he was uh, for small spurts in these playoffs and, uh, you know, and, and two or three week spans in June and August and he'll he'll pop out here every once in a while but when he's bad he's just so ineffective and not to mention that his glove has always been just a a, a negative a, a real big time negative made 12 errors this season uh you know I, I know I'm, I don't want to keep sitting here and banging the drum for these numbers but you got you got to consider it, right? You got you got to look at it. And obviously, as I've learned through the years, you can find some numbers that will uh, support whatever argument you are willing to make. And again, I I preface this by saying I am not against them bringing him back. I just can think you have to consider some of these other options that are out there. I don't know if Anthony Rizzo is the answer. You know, that's the number one name that I saw pop up uh, for first baseman. I, I don't I don't think so you know like I don't know I don't know I don't know how much of a uh, of a positive or a uh, upgrade that he would be but it's again you have to consider you have to consider I mean Hoskins did not have a terrible year it got kind of overshadowed by 
having him just do what he did in the World Series. But I just think if you can improve the glove drastically while you know maybe the numbers on the offensive end drop down a tiny bit, then I think that that's something you have to do. Maybe that means moving Bohm to first base and getting some sort of high-quality third baseman that can produce big-time power numbers. I, again, I don't know. He seems like he would be a somewhat valuable trade piece. You know, not not huge, but I mean, this is a guy who's going to be a free agent. So maybe if somebody's looking for a cost-efficient first baseman who puts up big numbers and a guy who you could throw in the DH spot, he would absolutely produce big numbers, then it's something if you're out there you have to consider, right? Especially if you're a postseason team or a team that is on the kind of brink of making a playoff run. Now, again, another thing you have to get, I'm not just giving him away. Right? I'm not just getting rid of him to get rid of him. I think you have to make a smart deal if you can maybe get a starting pitcher. Now, I have an article up here that would that names some guys uh, that, that could be available in, in a trade. I see Brian Reynolds from the Pirates. He's a center fielder. I don't know if that is someone that we would want or an option that we would consider. Uh, Pablo Lopez from the Marlins, he had a good season. We could always use another starting pitcher. Uh, Devers from the Red Sox, that's kind of what I just told you about. He is kind of in a similar situation where he'll be a free agent after next season. I don't know if they would make that deal or how much we would have to include on top of these other guys. Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, I don't know. if That seems like, uh, you know, I guess one or the other we could get. Uh, again, I'm all in to get a starter. We could always use a starter. Cody Bellinger, he's another guy going to be a free agent after 23. This says, why could he be done? Honestly, who knows what the Dodgers will do with Bellinger. It's one of the most complicated situations in the league. He won the MVP in 2019, then followed with a so-so 2020 season, but that year was cut short by the pandemic, so it's hard to take anything away from that. I tell you guys that all the time. But he's been downright awful at the plate the past two seasons with a combined slash line of 193, 256, and 355 with a 64 OPA. That's not good. Uh, the, the fan base still loves him, and he's a big part of the clubhouse and the community. And he's still an outstanding defensive center fielder, but which we really don't necessarily need. Because I, I, I mean, I don't understand trading all that for Marsh if you're not going to turn him into your everyday center fielder, uh, which he has gotten. Which is why he's gotten so many abs. Plus, the Dodgers are so good as a team that the, his black hole bat hasn't really hurt the team in the regular season. They won 106 games in 2022, 111 in 2022, but he was a non-factor in the postseason, and at this point, isn't the post isn't the postseason all that matters for the Dodgers? Yes, and it could be a similar thing to why we would want to get rid of Reese Hoskins. A good question. Uh, who will be interested? A good question. Uh, the Dodgers would not get much of anything in return, and they'd most almost certainly have to send a sizable chunk of money along with the deal. But it's not hard to see teams on the fringes of the playoffs, of the playoff chase, willing to roll the dice on Bellinger. Maybe a team like the Marlins or Diamondbacks, uh, possibly making a deal. Tyler O'Neill is going to be available. I think these are, this is just all. T- so these are all players that could be available in, in, a, in a trade. All, I think that that's how one of these deals is going to get done. It's going to be like-minded players or like-minded teams trading 
I don't want to necessarily say like all these words I'm thinking are like disappointment or problem, but they're not, right? They're just guys that haven't necessarily lived up to their potential and could use a change of scenery and are guys who are going to be available uh, on the free agent market next year. So you can see these teams wanting to get something for their guy who's going to be uh, walking for nothing by next year and wanting to cash these chips in on someone who maybe is at their lowest value right now who you believe could turn it around or build it up, like like that Cody Bellinger article or, uh, or segment that I just read. So they have a, a little tidbit on Reese Hoskins who, again, is arbitration eligible in 2023. He will be a free agent after this season. They're asking why could he be dealt. The idea of trading Hoskins is quite controversial in Philadelphia these days. He looked anemic at the plate for much of the postseason, but there was a stretch late in the NLDS and NLCS when he looked unstoppable, which is we, we all know that. He when he is on, he's on. When he's off, he's off. That's the that's the huge problem with him. It's the type of awesome slash awful streaky inconsistency he's shown often throughout his time with the Phillies. He's also a below average defensive first baseman. Yeah, you can say that. And there doesn't figure to be much of an opening at DH anytime soon. The plan is still for Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos to share that spot once Bryce Harper goes back to the outfield next year. Hoskins, though, is a positive fixture in the clubhouse and a fan favorite, that's arguable, which would be a consideration. Here's a question the Phillies front office types will try to answer this offseason. Is he in their long-term plans? That's a good question. I, I, you know, the only they can answer that. I don't know if he should be or what. I don't know how much he would cost too. That's a big part of that discussion. If yes, expect substantial movement towards an extension, maybe wrapped up by spring. If not, well, he could be on the way out in return for more bullpen help. See, I don't, you know, I don't know if that's what I would do. I mean, if we got an elite arm out of the bullpen, who knows, right? Who would be interested? That's maybe the biggest question. I, I think it says that on every single one. This guy, come on. Yeah, I think it's other stuff. But the Phillies will want to get MLB help in return, of course. But what what team that wants a one-year first baseman DH type would be willing to part with pitching off of its MLB roster? That's true. A couple of AL teams come to mind. Hoskins would give Cleveland the lineup a... The Cleveland lineup, I should say, a much-needed influx of power where he could split first baseman slash DH duties with Josh Naylor. And maybe in Seattle, where primary DH Carlos Santana, shout out to Carlos Santana, beating the TVs up uh, for playing Fortnite, is now a free agent after batting 192 with a 693 OPS and 15 homers in 79 games after he has arrived in a trade with the Royals. So it doesn't really talk much about what we could get. I could see the Phillies doing a deal with like with a team that is thinks like-minded and has the same kind they're in the same window as us like the Dodgers you know like I don't know if they would find much value in him or where they could put him right I don't know if DHing him there is really of value or if they're ready to move on from a Cody Bellinger but you know like like Devers who will be interested? Uh, he's hit 61 home runs to over the past two seasons while providing solid glove work at third base because he has just that one year of club control remaining, the return will not be overwhelming. Should the Boston Brass decide to move him, honestly, they should give him. They should just give him the extension he wants and move forward. Trading him would almost certainly be a disaster. Yeah, that's a guy. Like if he became available, whatever they want, whatever they want, we will figure out all the rest of it. 
Shit, he, you can move him the first. You do whatever, okay? He just turned 26. He, he's still a young player. He's tremendously talented. Whatever you could do. But the thing is, that's the thing with the Phillies offseason. There is so much possibility and capabilities that this team could could be just blasted into the stratosphere and become like uh, one of those just those dodge in those dodger conversations where they're like, yeah you know they're, they're one of the best teams in the league the astros the phillies and the dodgers like that's we're right there we obviously just played in the world series so we are on par with all these different teams in the major leagues we just have to make some adjustments we need a starting pitcher Okay, because that's one of the things that I kind of talked about earlier. Where I was gonna the 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 Syndergaard trade and not going out and getting a pitcher that you could actually use in the playoffs and you were gonna that you trusted to start games and give you more than three innings is what ultimately one of the things that did the Phillies in that that you that, that was not sustainable having those three pitchers and, and having to throw a bullpen game all the time in the World Series and in these huge moments. It just wasn't, you know, and having to throw Bailey Falter in game four of the NLCS, it's just, that's something you don't want to replicate next year. So I see the uh, Phillies are connected to Carlos Rodon. That's signed me up. You know, I, I saw a Jim Salisbury thing that the Phillies are in on Trey Turner and Carlos Rodon. I'm in, I'm in for that 100%. Both of those guys would fix most of their problems, and then they would have to just figure out what they're going to do with the bullpen. They lost Eflin because uh, you know Eflin declined his option. He's going to be a free agent, so we'll see what happens with him. I imagine he wants to go back to being a starter. Uh, the Phils lost a lot of those different bullpen arms, but a lot of them were kind of ineffective. And they were—I mean, Canable was hurt. Robertson, eh, you know, they kind of just traded nothing for him at the end. So the Phils are going to need some bullpen arms. They're—they're they're going to need at least one or two. Yeah, they're just going to need to overhaul, not even overhaul the bullpen. They just need another big dog in that bullpen and just more arms. Just frankly, more arms. They have a big-time big, big time righty arm. They have a big-time lefty arm. They need to sprinkle in some other guys. And the thing that could limit having to go and get all these different bullpen arms is if you go and get a high-quality starter like Carlos Rodon. That, that would change everything for the Phils, would make life 10 times easier and would have everyone super, super excited. Uh, now, I see DeGrom is going to be a free agent. I obviously would love him. I would get him over Trey Turner, and that, that might be controversial. I love Trey Turner, but I, I, don't, even, I, don't, know, I don't even know. I don't know because I, I the idea of signing Trey Turner to an eight-year deal signs, sounds nuts because he's a shortstop, he's super athletic, but he's also an incredible hitter. I don't think you're ever going to lose that ability to be – that high quality, you know, 300 uh, career hitter that he's been, you know, it's a, so he's not just strictly an athlete. He's a great baseball player. So yeah, I would be down for that. I guess a real one B would be Degrom if you could get him. And an added part would be to you know to pry him away from the Mets. And you know who knows how much he's going to cost. He's 34. He's but he's had different surgeries and whatnot. So if you could get him for like a three or four year deal. Big time money. I'd be all in on that. Uh, but Rodon, I guess we will see what the uh, deal is with that. He is, I believe, thirty years old. He had a four. Uh, I'm sorry. He had fourteen wins, eight losses, a two eighty eight ERA. Started thirty one games, threw hundred and seventy eight innings this season. So he's absolutely one of those guys. 
And I know what you mean when you know. I know you know what I mean when I say that he is a dog. He is one of those guys. He's a lefty too. So we would have two righties, two lefties. We would be a one hundred percent, you know, a, a a problem. We would be a problem. We'd be a problem. And last year, he had thirteen wins, five losses, two thirty seven ERA. So you know, the early part of his career wasn't exactly great. You know, there. I don't again. Don't count twenty twenty. Uh, you go 2019, he had a 519 ERA. He didn't really pitch that much. 120 innings in 2018 with a 418 ERA. But these last two seasons, he's been super effective. And you've gotten great, great, great innings from him, great starts. So uh, if the money is right, you can get him for somewhat cheap. Uh, you know, <laughs> that'll fix that fourth starter problem. Uh, you could move, you know, it doesn't really matter the, the numbers of who would start where or whatnot, but. Ranger Suarez and those, you know, those two lefties, those two righties, you know, if you get both of those guys, it doesn't really matter what you're, you know, like what you do with Hoskins or, or what the, you know, the rest of the problems would figure themselves out in my mind. If you lock up your shortstop position, you can put Stott at second base or, you know, you can do whatever you want. And then you you would probably have the same deal. Marsh in center field. You would maybe get a couple bats here and there. You still have Sosa under club control. You have Maytown. You have guys that come off the bench who you who can help you throughout the regular season. They showed that they can do that. And you'll have you know maybe an Andrew Painter at coming up at some point next year. He's going to be twenty years old. I don't know if that's actually a realistic thing. Through history, the Phillies have been really slow to bring these guys up, but it's a different regime now, so who knows what they're going to do with some of these uh, real super young guys. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if counting on a 20-year-old, 21-year-old to come up at some point is going to be uh, a viable option, but who knows. And thank God Kyle Gibson will not be here next year. So uh, I think I've done enough here, 45 minutes on the Phils. Uh, I don't have time to discuss it. Joel... And the boys won against the Suns last night. Joel is kind of finally back from his sickness. And uh, Maxie didn't have a great game. Tobias did. Uh, so we will be locking more in on the uh, on the Sixers. More discussion on the Sixers. And we'll have more time to de- devote to them now that our Phillies are done. But we will have Phillies offseason talk now, which is awesome. And obviously the Birds play this week. Uh, Monday night against the Commanders at home. We thought it was going to be the return of Carson Wentz. He won't even be playing. Uh, That sucks for him. Uh, Who cares, right? So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Hot Take Hotbox. We will be back later on this week. We will have a Shoulder Strikes MMA. I had a little bit of a better week. Tied did not. And we will discuss it all on the pod. So, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me, and I will see you soon.